0: All right, guys, welcome back to the Inside Dirt Network. Joe Stevens here, and we are giving you guys a sneak preview to what is a new podcast channel that we will be putting out via ID Media Group, which is Inside Line. Now, the Inside Line podcast will be ASBK, uh, MotoGP, and Road Racing event coverage in 2024. Uh, Renita Vermeulen, who's our new brand manager, ID Media Group, and contributor across Inside Dirt, and now Inside Line We'll be heading this one up, those of you guys that are familiar with ASBK and MotoGP will know Renita's very established uh, with that side of two-wheel racing, and she's going to be bringing you guys this very first episode of the Inside Line podcast by interviewing the 2023 ASBK Australian Superbike Champion, Troy Herfoss. So um, if you like the episode, if you're into ASBK and MotoGP, which, let's be real, It's an awesome form of uh, motorcycle racing and we all love racing uh, motorcycles. So check this episode out and then go search Inside Line on uh, wherever you listen to the Inside Dirt Show and uh, it will be living there. And you can subscribe to Inside Line and get all of the 24 ASBK content coverage and uh, special MotoGP episodes that Renita and uh, the team at Inside Line will be producing. So with that, let's check this one out and uh, hope you guys enjoy.
1: Alright guys, welcome to the very first episode of the Inside Line podcast. I'm Renita Vermulen, an aspiring motorsport presenter and part of the team at ID Media Group and I'm so excited to announce my very first guest. Fresh from his 2023 Australian Superbike Championship, this rider is no stranger to winning on all things two wheels. 2008 American Supermoto Champion, X-Game Silver Medalist in Supermoto, Multiple Australian Superbike Champion, Multiple Australian Dirt Track Champion, Multiple Australian Supermoto Champion and second Australian XC Eliminator in 2013, Troy Herfoss. I caught up with Troy to chat all about his 2023 championship on board his Penrite Honda Fireblade, along with that bombshell news that he dropped right before his weekend at the Ben to see what's happening with his 24 season. So stay tuned for my interview with Troy. Alrighty guys, we have Troy Herfos here. Troy, welcome to the show. Thank you for being my first guest. How are you going?
2: Thank you so much for having me. What an honour. I'm I'm happy to be your first guest and hopefully I can um, give the... The listeners something something worthwhile
1: (laughs) oh no the honor is mine thank you so much so guys yeah we're in the presence of greatness the 2023 australian superbike champion is in the house and i just need to let you all know we're both in queensland it is like 30 degrees hot and humid it's storming and he tells me he's just been out for a run in this weather so he's an athlete guys
2: I don't know why. I don't think. I don't think it was a smart option. But anyway, <laughs> you got to keep in shape.
1: Oh, exactly. <laughs> but um, Troy, let's get straight into this and let's have a chat about your seasons. So obviously, this year. You started off the year Phillip Island as the supporting round with the World Superbikes and you had a couple of top fives, but then after that, it was podium after podium before your victory that you took at Queensland Raceway. So tell me, what happened at the start of the season where you were, you know, top five, so still at the front of the pack, but then what was that change that made you go to the top step of the podium? Uh,
2: It was was a bit of a process for the team, really. Just uh, since the, yeah, backtracking to my accident I had a few years ago, I had a really difficult year sort of, um, the following season we changed tire manufacturers and I was really injured and, uh, just really struggled the whole year and, and it was sort of put down to my health really, um, as to why we were struggling, struggling and it sort of got to the point where I was really feeling like I was, uh, back to my best fitness wise or getting close to, and, and the results weren't really improving for me and, and, um, yeah, it just took a bit of time to establish that I just wasn't able to get as much out of the bike as as what I should have been, and um, it probably all come to a come to a head at sort of Phillip Island or even Sydney the weekend after uh, round two. I was I was pretty unhappy with with where I was at. I was I was definitely feeling like I was um, like riding at a good level, and um, just couldn't quite get the most out of the motorbike. And, and from that point on, we just sort of all got together and and, um, just started trying sort of different theories on how to make the bike work and what the bike might like and and adjust my riding accordingly really and yeah it's funny you you can learn new tricks even when you get old.
1: definitely definitely um so with regards to that like how much of the changing did you have to do did you do a lot of like testing outside i noticed um russell coven who's a mutual friend of ours would post photos and i'd see you on a different spec bike so were you out doing a lot of this testing in between racing to try and make these changes is this what you're talking about
2: yeah well we just between um like the whole team really and and Paul Free and Charlie Hallam, they were they were working with between each other as crew chief and electronics and and just sort of sort of had to you know, they come up with a with a theory on the way the bike wanted to be ridden and um and rather than just trying to make the bike work for what I was feeling all the time, we just thought it was time to uh try and um adapt me to something different, a different style of riding and, and just try and make things a bit easier easier for myself and um and yeah, we we done a lot of a lot of testing, and um and just sort of changed changed my approach to a lap time really, and and how I went about it, and and um it was just made the life so much easier for me. The bike was a lot easier to ride towards the end of the year, and and um and it showed we were able to fight for victories almost every time we we're on the track. So and then the finish in the year was was unbelievable. So yeah, it was a it was a pretty amazing year for us, really.
1: Yeah, no, it was an incredible year. And it was funny because I actually ran into you at MX Farm and I wanted to talk to you a little bit about uh, your motocross training that you were doing. Did you find that that was actually helping you with your road racing? When you're talking about changing your ride style, did you find that going back to the dirt was helping you with the road?
2: Yeah, it was helping a lot. Um, caused me a lot of pain as well. <laughs> motocross, that <laughs> so right. I think that, 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 weekend, <laughs> that weekend ended up. Yeah, I, I, well, even this is only coming out now, really, but I broke a couple of ribs there as well. So I, I, <laughs> oh, no. I had, I had, a, I had, I had three, three accidents this year on the motocross bike. And, um, yeah, I think each time I broke ribs, but, and, um, but yeah, the, the motocross was like, I was on the bike a lot, like three days a week at least, um, throughout the year. And it was just helping so much. It was making, so, making it so much easier to go to the track and, and just get straight down to business because, uh, you know, if we, for anyone listening that doesn't sort of know as much about the details of road racing, it's just uh, it's a sport that's it's quite expensive to get on the tracks. Um, and It's not, not easy to, to to be out there on the bike, really. It's just that uh, it's not as, as accessible as motocross. So for me to be able to be on the motocross bike three days a week, it just made it so much easier to, to get up to speed on a race weekend or at a test and just found I wasn't really spending half the day of the test um, blowing out the cobwebs cobweb as such. I was just getting straight down to business and I was arriving at a competitive lap time early in the day and then we'd get a lot more work done in the testing.
1: Yeah, no, definitely. And you could see that as the year progressed, obviously you took the championship lead at the end of round five and then went into the season finale equal points with Josh. So having that slower start at the the beginning of the season, as you progressed, got to the end of the season and, you know, you're on top fighting for the championship win going into the bend. And I wanted to ask what that was like, knowing that there's that possibility that you were going to walk away with the championship, which, which you did, what was it like going into that final weekend for you
2: uh, it was really it was really exciting and um it's been a few years since I'd really fought for a championship and um yeah, I just it, we had such a good test there, and the year had gone so well i it I knew that I should win it. and um and I just it was a really honestly it was a really weird feeling and it, it might sound sound cocky or something but I I just couldn't see it going wrong um like I just knew that the bike was getting better and better as the year went on and I was adapting to to the bike so much better and and just my riding was improving so much that I just felt like it it just felt like I was riding better than I ever have and so when we started the weekend um you know I I think Josh probably he probably felt similar to that really as well now I think about it because we just started off the Friday just really going fast and and trading lap times and and um you hand up the Friday just a small bit ahead of me but we we separate, separated ourselves from the rest of the field really quickly and um i think that's just that's the that's the really cool part about fighting for a championship it just lifts the guys that are fighting for the championship just lifts so much and it just was so exciting going to Talon bend knowing that you know two guys were going to duke it out and and um there was no no worry about who finished second because worst case scenario we finished second. So it was really an all, all or nothing weekend. It was um quite exciting.
1: Okay, but honestly, how does it feel to be championship? Tell me, really.
2: Ah, uh, it's unreal. Like <laughs> just, just, because I made the decision I did before the championship finished to to um like go a different direction for 2024, it it put a bit more pressure on me to because I felt like I really owed it to the team to get the job done and and when when it all played out the way it did you know a dominant weekend pole position qualifying record two race wins and then and then in race two when when josh fell and i was out front by you know a few few seconds i had a good margin i could actually just roll around the last two or three laps and just literally soak it all in it was um soak it all up sorry it was yeah it was pretty cool it was about as good as it's going to get for me in in um my australian served career i reckon so I th- thought that was a good time to maybe um, call it call it time for now on on what I was doing there with Honda. So yeah, I'm just glad it worked out the way it did because we the the team I, I owed it to the team to to give them this and owe it to myself to get back to this level and and I'm just so happy that we we finished up the way we did.
1: Well, it was definitely such a surprise when you literally dropped your bombshell that you were departing Honda, who you've been with for. Forever, right? And ER Motorsports, the Penrite Honda Superbike team. So when you dropped that news, really, really stunned the whole paddock. And I wanted to ask you, what what's next for you? I hope you're not retiring. I mean, it's fine to retire on top, but what's your plans for 24?
2: Uh definitely, I'm definitely not retiring. I just, I, <laughs> I just, um, I just, <laughs> I just um, like I, I said, I'm at a stage where, as far as like. You know what? What I feel like I've accomplished in in Australian racing. I, I feel like I, if I if it was my time to retire, I'm sort of okay with that. But I just wanted to put myself out there, and and made it make it clear that I'm looking for something new and and I want to go overseas. And uh, yeah, I, I mean I'm 36 years old now, and I feel like I'm I'm 26 years old because I you know I started late in my career. I I never went overseas and had an international career at all, and. And then with COVID and, and the injury shortly after, I feel like the last four years or so have, have sort of just sort of disappeared in a flash. And um, and while I still feel like, while I, while I know I'm at the top of my game, I just wanted to make it very clear that I, I wanted to change and I wanted to go overseas because in the past uh, I'd sort of had a bit of a look around to go overseas. But I think it, I was just, it was, well, I was so attached to my team and, and to Honda. I don't think, many people thought i really really wanted to change and um and yeah what better way to to attract a little bit of attention from some international teams is to uh quit your job a week out from the championship <laughs> I mean, yeah it's like and that's why it was hard it was really hard at the time because i you know and understandably most people just thought that i was i had a i had a ride lined up with another team and like a competing team and I was going to come back and race against my my old team, but yeah, that wasn't that's that's not the case. I'm I'm really trying my best to go overseas, and and I'm sort of in a position where I'm willing to uh, sacrifice um, being on a good a top Australian team in order to wait out to go overseas. Just because, I mean, where I'm looking to go, um, being whether it's England or America, they both um, both championships start later in the year compared to us. So, um, in order for me to to sort of exhaust every opportunity out there for me. I may have to wait, wait it out a bit longer, and so I just wanted to prepare myself for that. And and um, yeah. So for that reason, I, I probably won't be fighting for an Australian Superbike Championship. And it doesn't mean I won't be on the grid or riding an Australian Superbike, but um, for now, I just want to make sure I, I know that there's definitely not something out there for me internationally, or there is. <laughs>
1: Yeah, no, definitely. Like, um, before you jumped on the recording, I told everyone about your resume, you know, listing off Supermoto um, Champion X Games. You've done a lot. But by listening to what you're saying is, like you said, you started later in the road racing. So it sounds like you have unfinished goals that you're wanting to achieve. So will we see you maybe somewhere in the European, the British circuit, or maybe in America? Is that the direction that you're thinking?
2: Yeah, there's definitely there's definitely no opportunity for me to race in in world world in the world championship, but um, both England and America are, are really sort of exciting for me. Um, like I, I had a bit of a taste of of living in America when I was younger, racing supermoto, and I loved it. And so, for that reason, I would love to go there. And then and then you've got England, you know, being the like arguably the most competitive domestic championship in the world. So that would be an amazing opportunity to to test myself against some of the best domestic superbike riders in the world. So, yeah, I'm, I'm just trying to work it out myself at the moment. But but either of them is where I hope to be next year. Um, I just I'm just unsure what direction I'll be going.
1: Awesome. Well, we'll have to get you back on when uh, you make that decision and it's announced. We'll have you back on Inside Line to talk all about your future uh, endeavors with that. But I just wanted to jump back a little bit into your career like we were talking about before when I said about, you know, Supermoto and X Games and you've done so much on two wheels. But most notably, what um, stood out for me Watching you with your whole career journey is that massive crash that took place back in uh, 2021, I believe in Darwin, that could have been a career ending crash. And then watching you come from that, come back all the way up through and now you're 2023 australian superbike champion like what a journey that you've had can you talk us a little bit about that that the crash that you had the recovery that you had to go both physically and mentally to get back to where you are now talking about how you feel like you're 26 years old and you can go take on the world coming from that place to now can you tell us a bit about that journey yeah
2: that that was just like a a day i'll never forget and Like uh, yeah, we'd we'd come out of, out of COVID and it was sort of still that COVID sort of time. And, and, um, yeah, I, I just, it it just all, it just all, you just don't realize how quickly it can all be over. Like I, I, the day before I just felt so comfortable on the bike. I, I had a really close battle with a rival of mine, Wayne Maxwell, and I come out on top and it just felt like I was in complete control. And, um, and then the following morning you know i i come into the first the third turn on the track and and down i went at sort of 200 plus like a fair way over 200 k an hour and um and yeah as soon as as soon as that front wheel sort of slid out i i knew that it was really bad and and um yeah like yeah i'll never forget i'll never forget that split second where i knew i was going to make contact with the fence and then yeah, then a few days pass and you wake up on a bed and you, you know can't move and you're not sure what's wrong with you because yeah you just I just had scars all over me and yeah I, it was it was a crazy crazy time it's hard to hard to really explain explain it to be honest but um
1: yeah I can imagine the injuries that you sustained were they they were quite a long process for those to heal right because you did your femur you did into the hip was that correct
2: yeah so I did my the major injuries were my neck of femur had snapped and it was dislodged by quite a way and then my humerus was um compounded up under under my armpit and shattered the bone like an um and like a I guess when the bone twists, I can't remember what sort of fracture they call that, but um and then yeah, the top of my tibia, like my leg my leg had hyperextended and, and it, it broke the top of the top of my tibia. Um so I had a bit of like a very small knee injury. Um, I had a couple of broken toes, <laughs> um some ribs. Um yeah, and it it was just so it just felt so bad. Like, I, yeah, so my arm wouldn't. So at first, my arm wouldn't move at all, and and I couldn't move my leg. So I was, I was in the wheelchair for a, a little while, and okay. um, yeah, it was it was bad. Full time care. Like um, my wife and I had a, our first child, three months old, and were yeah under full time care at her parents, and it was it was a real a real big one for me. And then yeah, that's that's why to get to get back to where I am now just yeah you really can enjoy every time you're on the motorbike you know it's a lot easier as the years go on you sort of I guess you just take it for granted really always I was always in great shape and um, never had a lot of bad injuries I was able to race a motorbike at a high level for all my career and then all of a sudden uh, it's just all over and then that first few months getting back on the bike I was just so scared every time I rode I was thinking about things that could go wrong and my body wasn't good as well so I couldn't maneuver the bike in the way I wanted to and yeah just that feeling that I was probably never I I just had a feeling that I was never going to be able to get back to where I felt like I was completely in control and yeah then that's why this year was just such an amazing experience for me just getting back to better than I ever was and and the body stun to come good again it's yeah it's been really cool.
1: That's so awesome I mean it sucks that you went through that but that journey like you said, now that you're riding better than you ever have, you feel better on the bike than you ever have. Maybe it's like you had to go through that to get to this point to now be champion, to take those next steps, to go overseas. So it's so exciting hearing that there's just so much enthusiasm in your voice about, look, I can do this, you know, and and I'm top of my game and I'm feeling the best I ever have. So I'm so excited to hear about (laughs) what happens with next year. But I also wanted to ask you, obviously, Racing in Australia, you said about that you change tire manufacturers and things like that. Talk to us a little bit about with with where you're going, maybe England or America. The differences in, over there to Australia with the Australian Championship, it's obviously more rounds, but is it different tire manufacturers, different style of bikes? Is there things that you're going to have to learn that's going to put you uh, – um, obviously you're coming from being the top of the field here to put you into a position where it's everything's new i guess you're going to have to learn the tracks as well so talk us a little bit about with that next year
2: yeah so the first thing is going to be the tracks uh, learning the tracks and then and then you've got yeah two different spec bikes so if i go to america it's it's a it's basically a world surf bike so a lot of adjustability and then and then in in America they're a controlled Dunlop spec tire, so that'll be something I haven't ridden so for, for uh around eight years now. And then and then England you've got, you know, less electronics than Australia, but more adjustability in the chassis and, and then you're on the same tyres. So it's sort of they're both gonna be different and foreign. Um but yeah, I, I think I think what I've learned in the last few years since the injury, like I've got a, a lot better understanding of of uh, what I need from a bike and and what I need to change on the bike to make it suit me and yeah I've been around really good people the last few years and and really had to learn a lot because I was struggling so much I couldn't just rely on on just my my natural ability to to adjust to a bike because I it, for a while there I couldn't physically do it so I was sort of forced to learn more about what was underneath me so I think that's going to help me as well um, obviously I've got a lot of experience now so yeah I think. I don't know what would be easier. Like um, with the you know America on a different tire with a really high spec bike, um, and then British Superbike's bikes at a higher spec bike than ours as well. But it's it's um, it's they don't have any track control in that series, so. Yeah, you've got a lot of power in your in your hands, so it's a bit old school, I guess. That'll be quite a lot of fun.
1: A bit old school, yeah. <laughs> Definitely some of the racing's crazy over there, especially Cadwell where they get air. Oh, that track's insane.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's, that's one of the – yeah, if I can race that track, I'll be happy. It, it looks really cool.
1: It looks cool, but, oh, I don't know how you guys do that. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, look, Troy, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me. It's been awesome to obviously follow your journey throughout and get to chat with you a little bit about what it's like to be obviously a champion now going through that journey that you had with the accident to get to where you are. And I'm so excited to finally find out where you're going to go and what you're going to do next year and look forward to watching you wherever your journey takes you. So thank you so much for being my first guest on the Inside Line podcast.
2: And thanks for having me. I'll be adding adding the inside lines to my list of podcasts from now on. So I wish you all the best in in that as well.
1: Awesome! Thanks so much, Troy. Thanks for listening, guys.
2: <laughs> Thank you.